of Ashen Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Welcome to this most recent episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast. Uh, welcome, Ash, and welcome, Luke Smyers, uh, who's our guest today. Hi, Luke. Hi. Um, hey. Very glad to have you on because you yeah. are, uh, I think, you, you, came, you came to us just by us finding you, right? So you're clearly doing something right in your own marketing. Um, you are a <laughs> former CHRO for companies like uh, Starbucks, like Nielsen, I think, most recently. Um, and from there, you actually founded a people analytics startup. Um, uh, and then that one got bought by Deloitte, which brought you into the big firm consulting world where, where I think Ash and I are sort of coasting along. Yeah, correct. Um, and you exited there and you started your, your next venture, which is called the Visible Authority. And that is, that is how we found you because you are um, an expert in helping consultants uh, becoming, well, visible authorities. <laughs> so we thought we'd inquire about that a little bit. But, but first, yeah. was that fair enough an intro or do, did I forget? Yeah, anything? that's correct. Correct, indeed. So after <laughs> my CHRO career, uh, that, that has always been a dream. I started my, my own consulting company um, called Inostics, and that came mm. from Diagnostics. So it was a people analytics um, um, consultancy. Um, I would say pretty much productized, but of course it was professional services. It was a consulting company, uh, but we had okay. a few products that we used to to scale it. Yeah. And um, so what what actually happened there was that um, I was kind of those were the that was two thousand seven eight, and I was pretty um, inspired by some of the early famous bloggers like uh, Guy Kawasaki, uh, Seth hmm. Godin in his early days, and so what these guys were like, um, uh, they, they were on a mission to to tell the whole world uh, you need to share your expertise. So that in in, mm -hmm. in, in a nutshell, yeah. that's what they were saying: share, share, share. Um, and, uh, and, and that's what I started doing. I was very much inspired by that. And from the, the initial days already of the consulting, um, activity, I started writing case studies and started, started sharing that. And that was because of the, the, the very early days of advanced analytics that was still called big data. And so, um, but, but it pretty, it, it, it grew actually quite fast and and it it as i always say it kind of got out of control <laughs> so um we're okay. we're talking benelux here so belgium netherlands were our mm -hmm. uh, key markets and and that's where of course we, um we focused on but um in like no time um we got uh, extremely visible for what we were doing in those markets due to the Today is then called yeah thought leadership, uh, but, mm. but that that word or that description didn't even exist in those days. So I was just sharing case studies, and I did some of the stuff also through print, uh, which was another thing. Uh, so I wrote uh, articles in uh, on. I actually wrote 
the, the monthly column in an HR magazine in Belgium. I copied that. That was the early, those were the early days of reproducing, of repurposing. So I copied that and I sent it to a, a Dutch magazine and I had the, the, the Dutch column. And I, it, it, so we became extremely known for what we were doing. And uh, so that's how it kind of got out of control. And we, we got invited everywhere. And so that's a little bit like the, the, the ultimate goal of what, what I am helping consultants with today is that, of course, they get invited uh, for their expertise. And so, and that's also why then all of a sudden we had like four or five large uh, or big firm consultancies knocking on our door. We won uh, several pitches against them and they couldn't understand why the small guys won those uh, important pic uh, pitches because these were like insurance companies and banks which which i think except for one in both the netherlands and in belgium they were all our clients so, so it's amazing <laughs> uh, in hindsight um and so that's that's why then all of a sudden yeah we started talking to deloitte because we were in their need for technical platforms um and so they they were extremely good in that in those days and so mm. that's how it all happened so and they were looking for the reputational footprint uh, that we had um and so that's how we got together in 2016 and yeah that's kind of the the short story yeah so, so impressive case study for, for I think you, you call it thought leadership. Some might say it's content marketing, whatever it's called, but it's the idea of, yeah. as you, as you yeah. say, sharing expertise to freely to, to get market visibility and, and yeah, yeah. that is. So I wrote about hundred case studies. So oh. I was oh, that is impressive. the case study guy. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you said this before. I should I should say that for Ash, for your benefit and that of the listeners, Luke said in the uh, b before we hit uh, sort of hit the mic on here. Um, you 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 said that writing comes easy to you, Luke, right? Which is uh, that's a superpower in that context. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I can write a blog, uh, let's say a fifteen hundred word blog in thirty minutes. And uh, but that's also because and I should of... say and I should say because I've read your posts. Um, it's good, right? It's not because lots yeah. of people can write 1500 yeah. words in half an hour, but you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm me. always trying that that is the, let's say the lens I'm trying to either inspire people to move, yeah, to move the needle, or I'd like to confront or challenge or whatever yeah. you call it a little bit. Um, because what I'm, 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 of course, I have quite a, a few clients right now and I'm 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 seeing the same challenges every time or time and time again and and that's of course where then I yeah I start writing about that. <laughs> mm, yeah. That, that that's a bit of a which is easy bite. in a way. Yeah? yeah. It's a bit of a tension, but did you have you did you did it take you any deliberate effort to build that skill? Like, did you? decide one day let's let's work on my yeah, writing well, I do skills. I do read a lot uh, about that um, okay. and I, I've done a few courses but that's that's already a while ago so writing comes like yeah. very natural to me yeah. but you but you did make an effort some some sometime back so that's I absolutely think that's absolutely and that is also that that's in in like my my list of the, this would have been a support from marketing that I would have uh, needed in those days is how you write a good case oh. study and 
Okay. Um, Interesting. And and yeah, so I had to find it out myself all the time, which of course yeah. was not very efficient. But okay, it uh, it's it, it is what it is. <laughs> as as someone who's who's led a global content marketing function, I can tell you it's 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 hard to hire people who can write well to this day. Yeah. which is my yeah. polite way of saying is probably that not too many people in in the marketing functions in the big firms are writers which is okay yeah. it's not even in their job description but you know what i mean like yeah it's not it's not just that it's also getting that information out half of the time um the people who have to put out thought leadership they have some vague idea but you have to get someone who can interview them and then you yeah. gotta get someone to write that it's, these two skills seem to be severely lacking for everyone who wants to just put out a piece of like content that actually gives a view still in high demand yeah you learn that. maybe this yeah. this this will get us off track but um i i think what i'm seeing the 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 most ideal way of doing it is is interviewing and mm -hmm. uh, done by a journalist and the journalist then writes it up but i've also seen a lot i've i've done that myself with with a few journalists and yeah, there's only one after all those years, only one that I have <laughs> discovered and still working with me um, uh, that that can translate an interview into a either inspiring or uh, provoking um, kind of content. Yeah, yeah. very I, difficult. I, I, I think that um, and that always that used to piss off people, I, partners and other people I work with. I always think the first draft needs to come from them because it has you, you are the expert and the the act of writing it out for me or my team so that we can help you edit it that forces you to clarify your thinking to a point where it gets good but it's again it definitely is, it's definitely it's and, and if you can't yeah. if you don't do that and then uh, i think that's a very big big miss in yeah being a, a leader in consulting or a consulting expert or whatever you call it so you can never yeah. build a reputational footprint if you don't like writing down your experiences yeah. your learnings your struggles whatever yeah i've seen you write about that how, how experts should i mean that's a that's a that's a phrase right experts should write but i i think it's yeah right. like these past two years i've already written about 200 pages and those are all 100% experiences in working with other consultants. So it's like after a session, a workshop, I immediately write down three, four or five pages like I did in the past. That is then a new case study. And so all these thoughts go into my blogs, go into my posts and the posts yeah. go back into blogs and they go into my newsletter and so on and so forth. So it's a machine but it's very organically built, so to say. Hmm. It's based on what I'm doing. I don't have to kind of sit down in front of my white paper and get into writer's block. That's yeah. impossible. And and I think what, and, and I want to get to the, because you mentioned how you work with clients, I want to get into your model uh, a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and then we can discuss how marketing could help scale something like that. But, mm -hmm. but, what, but what I like here is I can, I can see people sort of, shake their heads and say, well, you know, write five pages of the workshop. Nobody has got time for that. But I think in your model, the idea is to, it, you have the time because that is actually an investment you make, right? S to build your reputational footprint, which then allows you to to do more profitable work. So, do you know what I mean? Like you get out of uh, that. I think that's, am, am I right in that? That is implied there in your model that the idea is you make time for these types of things, you build the thought leadership and then helps that then helps you 
essentially bring in more revenue in less time, which in turn gives you time yeah, for writing. Absolutely. And, so and, and yeah. it's very much what I'm doing with consultants is very much, um, let's say, case based. So to, to build the social proof of their expertise, that's how I always yeah. call it. And, uh, and that, that shouldn't be too difficult for them. But of course, it it takes a while to get into the the let's say the the routine of writing down uh, yeah. your your learnings after after doing a project and then writing it down into also uh, readable content for your prospects or for your yeah, prospective clients. Yeah, but the whole but idea of on nurturing your network that is something that they just don't have and that's of course a big next step then uh, but okay then maybe we we already too far <laughs> yeah in, just in maybe here. maybe one step back and, and just just can you summarize on yeah. a high level what this i mean you, your your firm is called the visible authority and you you speak about authority-led business development i think so what's what's that authority-led part there can you, yeah can so it's it's let's say in in one sentence it's building and growing a strong reputational footprint as mm -hmm. a consultant at scale so that's the the, the word at scale uh, is important in this because of course you can do a little bit uh, posting on linkedin left and right uh, but that's uh, in the context of doing it at scale totally inefficient so i call those people the inefficient enthusiasts oh um so that's good uh, stuff already like there yeah like <laughs> taking notes <laughs> so I, I have a uh, a four by four square of course like all consultants have and and so the the upper left corner is the very active consultant but it's totally inefficient um, because it's not business development support it's like a lot of activity uh, liking sharing other stuff uh, other people's stuff uh, but it's not really connected cat, cat pictures. with <laughs> yeah yeah, indeed. Uh, happy birthday, or this was the weekend in the forest yeah. from uh, last week, and so on and so forth. But it's not like creating a reputational footprint based on the expertise of the consultant or of the practice, because that, um, uh, of course, I always work with the individuals. But when I do this in a consulting firm context, it's, of course, important that the, the, the firm and the activity and the practice is involved in this because they can't do that on their own. Yeah. I think you, you talked about that in your previous podcast, how to organize everything. But OK, so again, going back, building and growing a reputational footprint as a consultant at scale and the, the let's say the the, the dream uh, or the, the mission is to become top of mind with your prospects in your market uh, because of the visible expertise and the credibility. And um, that is, uh, that's what we are striving for. So I like to call this out because we've mentioned that, I think, uh, elsewhere before. And I really love this philosophy. What, what you seem to be saying is people should start thinking about this type of business development, always the way you describe it, what I'm hearing is it's almost like just putting an editorial process on top of your consulting work, right? Because what, what I don't hear you say is, I don't know, do a trend research and a fancy survey. But other, what you're saying is if you step off a client engagement or if you come out of a workshop, 
just write up some things which you yeah. thought were interesting. So, so literally, so yeah. report on your own expertise as you build it in the day to day. That's that's at the core of this. Is, is that fair to say? Definitely, um, but of course, it's also linked to the the let's say the service offering. Um, yeah, sure. and, and of course, if you're doing products, uh, if you're doing projects, then of course that's in the context of the service offering. Yeah. Uh, but but um, what what I'm always doing with them is like stepping back first and thinking about what what is the positioning of the of the practice. Yeah? So mm -hmm. what's the target audience? What's the target problem that you're trying to solve? What's the target um, service offering linked to that yeah. or the value proposition? So. We, we do a few step backs to make sure that we have an ideal definition of uh, of the expertise space that they are in. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when that's well defined, you can easily translate that then. That's really helpful if you have defined audience, audience problem, audience solution, and so on and so forth. That is the, let's say, that's the context uh, for the writing. That's yeah. where, that's how you connect your thought leadership, uh, well, if, if you're using that word um with so otherwise what i'm seeing is that a lot of these consultants they kind of um, do stuff in in an empty space it's not really linked to their service offering and to the positioning of their practice and uh, so yeah. that's that's a correction that has to be made uh, in most cases and okay. and as i said before that's also where i had expected marketing to support me because uh, uh, doing that position work and value proposition design and maybe the design thinking methodology behind it. And so those had those would be, I would say, techniques that marketing could teach um, um, the the practice and the leader in a practice, um, and then that would be extremely helpful. Um, let's say to make faster progress. Yeah, which is yeah. that is interesting because I had that as a question for you. Like your model is. So you're working directly with the consultants. So you sort of building this authority for the authority-led approach. I think in your world is the responsibility that's firmly on the shoulders of the of the consulting leader, right? Which is, I think, yeah, that's definitely. where it belongs. But now you mentioned marketing could help. Like it's funny because I've been in, and I've seen this all the time happening in, in firms where there's business and marketing sit across the table, and both of them expect the other side to. Um, drive the strategy around something like segmentation or positioning, right? Marketing sits there and thinks, oh, the business will tell me. Do you know what I mean? Like they will mm -hmm. tell me what the ideal client is. They should know. And sometimes some consultants like you just did say, well, I was hoping marketing could help me figure it out a little bit, right? And then also there's often obviously the case, and you've written about this, that everybody in the room just has flat out FOMO and is too afraid to, uh, fear of missing out on revenues <laughs> and is, is afraid to make the decision to nail it down or to narrow it in, right? Because, oh my God, we could lose revenue if we focused yeah. on a specific audience. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's true. So marketing sits there. If if at all they're sitting there, um, but let, let's imagine they're sitting there, then that doesn't really work. Because today, if you look at the marketing function in most uh, consultancy firms, that, that is not the typical role that they are having. So they are struggling to sit there and they yeah, don't true. really understand what to do. And, and that's, of course... And, and you're right, and I, I put like all the responsibility on the shoulders of the, the practice leader, uh, which I have been myself, and that, that's where kind of it comes from. 
because I think the practice leader has to own this. So, so the reputational footprint is owned by the practice leader, is not owned by marketing, because in, in especially in larger firms like in Deloitte, they, they, uh, Belgium is a very small country. They had 120 uh, or even more practices. So marketing can't do the work. It has to be, um, let's say, anchored in the practice. But yeah. marketing is the guide, so it gives guidance and gives support, system support to create a machine within the practice. And, and so that's um, yeah. today how I'm trying to, to help the consultant. Which, uh, that is very interesting for me to hear because I think somehow that's the idea like a lot of the marketing teams i see are somewhat structured in that way but then mm -hmm. this question you just had previously like could you give us guidance on copywriting could mm -hmm. you help us both value proposition design that's an often not in the scope of the capabilities of the marketing team like they build us a support function and they can do graphic design work or they mm -hmm. can help with sourcing and organizing events but there's not a team there in there that specializes in helping with value proposition design or not Absolutely. often. I mean, it exists, right? And, and especially the bigger firms probably have that. But um, yeah, that is an interesting. interesting and so, uh, what you hear out from all of this is essentially both marketing and sales, the business, they have their own funnels, and they're both asking the other to find where the midpoint is so that the funnels can connect, essentially, and not just in terms of the actual uh, the leads, but also in terms of skills. Yeah. And that's the general problem that you know when we speak to everyone we come across really yeah that's true so yeah, is there a recommendation so, luke are you saying that the the marketing colleagues in the firms should should build their own authority and offer a, a few sets of new new yeah. new in-house services right maybe then get us to the to the to join the, the big guys on the table as strategy gets discussed yeah definitely i think that marketing has to move uh, into this more let's say conversational kind of case-driven um, way of working with the practices um, and and provide support there in as, as we have already discussed uh, and and of course the the practice and the practice team also has to create new routines in the way that they become more visible and reputed for the expertise that they are having in the team so it's it's a new direction for both of them and uh, that that makes it of course quite uh, quite challenging uh, but I think that uh, if I'm, I'm working with a few consultancy firms and in within a few practices and they they're really motivated uh, and, and enthusiast also to get that their expertise uh, more visible in the markets mm. and build that reputational footprint and grow the, the reputational footprint. And if you look at the way that business development works today is that, yeah, the buyers on the other side, they, of course, they, they do their homework. And as I always say, um, you, you have to get included in the homework. That's a metaphor I'm, I'm always using. I'm, so the buyer, depending on the research that you're reading, it's like 70, 80, sometimes 90% of the decision-making happens during the research of the buyer before they get in touch with a consultant or a consultancy. Yeah. Uh, so that's how that's why I'm always saying you have to get included in uh, in in the buyer's homework. And how can you get included in the buyer's homework? Well, that's uh, because that's through your 
as I always say, then uh, your cases, your social proof, um, the, the expertise that you are showing to the world um, and where, of course, you then connect with a buyer or with a user or whatever um, the, the role of the, 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 the future client. So and um, and and yeah, they are very enthusiastic, but they also extremely struggling with how to do that and mm. and of course and i have a whole list of challenges of the big firm uh the the classical structure of the the practice doesn't really isn't really helpful because uh to, to name your post podcast the unbillable <laughs> these are very <laughs> often unbillable hours um, yeah. and that uh, needs to be discussion. So when I joined Deloitte, I um, um, immediately made sure that I had 30% of my time unbillable to do this work um, for, uh, for, for our practice. Hmm. And step by step, I also got into um, um, more people in the team with uh, 5, 10, 15 to even 20% of their time freeing up for doing this kind of work. Um, so, but it was part of my, let's say, governance uh, activities that I tried to get more unbillable hours to do the business development of the team. And uh, business development was, of course, um, improving the reputational footprint. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's maybe one to call out for for maybe other practice leaders yeah. listening. That's thirty percent of the time going into building the reputation, right? Not just thirty percent of time unbillable, and then a lot of that is spent on coaching people, team development. So that, that I, no, no, that was hundred percent business development. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, so all the other reputation. quote unquote non billable practice building activities came on top of that. So that take a note of that, people. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, yeah. <laughs> but okay. but yeah, if if your reputation is good and you get invited by, that's what happened to us. So all those years we we got invited. We I never had to sell. I never had to go out and find new clients. So we always got invited because people wanted to talk, wanted to learn. Um, when we sat there, they had our case studies printed out in front of them uh, in a binder. So that was really um, an, an yeah. easy way of doing. But that also led to, of course, uh, when you get invited and people are uh, almost like uh, extremely enthusiastic or motivated to work with you, uh, then, of course, you are in a different uh, ball game uh, with different pricing. And that pricing, of course, has to compensate for the time that you invest in building the reputation. Yeah. It's as easy as that. But yeah, it's uh, also as difficult as that. It's as difficult in, in, yeah. the, in the existing, like you said, in, incentive structures and, and how the organizations are built, right? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But, but, I'm seeing more and more consultancies and consultancy firms and practices, uh, as I always say, starting to combine the power of the brand with the power of the expert or the reputation yeah. of the expert. And if you can combine that, uh, the, the, the partner who acquired us, who signed the contract with us in those days in Deloitte, he always said, I want the combination of the first name with the last name. And the last name, he said, uh, is was the brand name. So in this case, that was Deloitte. And the first name was yeah. us and, and was myself, was Luke, uh, who was very known in the market. So first name, last name combination. He said, that's the ideal way of doing business development and consulting. Nice. 
how nice. common is that line of thinking these days? I mean, it was not that much when, you know, you had the conversation clearly, but are you seeing people move in that direction now? Uh, yes, more and more. Well, at least they are knocking on the door. I have a, a mm -hmm. call later today um, with a spin-off of a large consultancy firm and they are spinning off um, an, an, an expertise domain. So they're creating a new company, new name, and, and so they have appointed uh, a new guy. So and the guy wants to talk to me about uh, from the beginning, from the very beginning, making all the right steps to create Smart. a reputation. Mm -hmm. um, so which uh, for me, at one hand, is is fantastic because you can do all the, the necessary things uh, from scratch. And so in the ideal ways, so to say, but at the other hand, it's also a little bit of a challenge because there is nothing yet. Uh, so you, yeah. you, yeah. it's like a, a little bit of a hypothetical thinking about who is your uh, audience there and what's their pain. And, but anyway, so yeah, uh, so they, of course, they know me from the past, from I don't know where exactly, but but they know me and they knocked on the door and they said, we'd like to do it in the in the right way because we'd like to become the, the number one reputation uh, brand for that particular stuff. And, and so the, the, what they are trying to do is build a narrative where everything like fits into their strategy. That's, that's uh, in excellent fact, stuff. Trying to yeah. Do. Yeah. That actually warms my heart because as, as you might know, my own firm, I built on the hypothesis that the market is going to swing in that direction and that sort of strategic marketing finally arrives in the consulting industry. Yeah. <laughs> I have, yeah. I will if I admit freely, sometimes there are days when I doubt that there was that hypothesis is sound, because there's still firms who are very much you know sales driven and sort of marketing gets sprinkled on top of stuff. But I I would agree with the with the notion that it's more and more it swings into the direction you just described. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think there is a trend um, because there is definitely a, an overall or an overarching trend that uh, like personal branding. I don't want to call it that way because mm -hmm. I think it's too narrow, but the the uh, at the end of the day, even consulting is a P2P business. So people buy from people. And yep. of course, yep. if the person is known and has a reputation for his or her expertise and is very visible in the market, uh, like top of mind uh, when it comes to solving that particular problem, then of course you have a, a, a tremendous advantage. I, I have seen pitches in the past, 10 million pitches for let's say SAP implementations. Mm -hmm. Where um, the the yeah of course you you only have a few one with ten million kind of projects uh, so two big consultancy firms and the one that was chosen was the guy who was visible very visible in the market and the other leader who was also pitching for the same ten million uh, and the 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 pricing of both was um, I think a ten k uh, different from each other so it was like same price. But one guy was very no well known in the market and the other one yeah. was totally invisible. And so they chose for the visible guy because, yeah, they were able to find all kinds of stuff from this, as I always call it, the trust stuff. So case studies, presentations, whatever. Um, and that guy was chosen. So it has a tremendous advantage, um, yeah, in the, in the buying uh, phase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think and and I'm I'm looking at the clock, so I try to wrap us up and, and yeah. guide us out. But I think uh, it's very 
good takeaway here that this yes there is a let's phrase it like that there's a competitive advantage in this right in in, in becoming a visible authority as you have it in your firm name and uh, i i really like the ideas we've raised here for how the marketing teams in the firms might be uh well advised to to think about supporting that type of approach Mm-hmm. much better um, like I, I almost feel like it's structurally it is there certainly uh when i worked in, in consulting places and luke you don't know this or maybe you don't know but i started my i had a job at deloitte in business development first job out of oh college. really okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, in germany but um so when it, structurally it's always been there right often a practice as a marketing mm-hmm. team they work directly with marketing with a practice leader and so forth but your points about you, you as the practice did not necessarily get the service offerings from the marketing teams, which you would have liked. Uh, I think that's something to to think about. So um, excellent stuff. I could go on for like an hour more to, to yeah. listen to your thoughts, but we don't have that time. So can I ask where, where can people find you oh. online and find more from you if they are interested in, in, in hearing more? Yeah, about the I think the, the, the easiest one, of course, is my, um, is my website. That's uh, thevisibleauthority.com. Uh, but I'm on LinkedIn also, and, and you're, you're probably mentioning that in your uh, show notes. Um, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yeah. yeah. So LinkedIn is my 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 frontline machine, <laughs> as it is for so many people these days. Well, that was that was great, Luke. Uh, much yeah, appreciated. Thanks for joining us. The time. Yeah, you're welcome. Very welcome. And uh, I think I'm going to stop the recording here. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.